0: Amen. Well, as you would know, we have been walking through a series called The Main Things. We're in week three. We started out with Pastor Daniel talking about good, solid biblical teaching. And last week, Pastor Kathy talked about community. And I sure hope your hearts were stirred because I don't, I'm not sure I've come down from it yet. It was just such a great and powerful challenge. Um, I think the pandemic has caused a lot of us to, you know, pull in and Be alone is a very good challenge to get back out into the world. Be with people. Anyway, that brings us to today, week three. We are talking about giving. And before you say giving, (laughs) uh, it's going to be a great message. And I'm going to tell you every single time we go to the word of God, there's something new and there's something fresh. And so don't just throw it off and say, I've heard giving. (laughs) I can catch up on my social media feed. Don't do that. (laughs) The Lord has something great for you today, something powerful, because I believe when we interact with the Word of God, it changes us. And so would you walk into this willing to be changed this morning? Allow the Spirit to speak to your heart and to your mind and change the way that we act. As we've been working through Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, it gives us this beautiful picture of the early church and it gives us five spiritual activities that marked the early church as they bonded in unity and as they grew and they expanded all the way across this beautiful earth. God did amazing things. And we've set out on this teaching to make sure that the five things that marked that church marks this church, because it's the same church. We are an extension of what began all of those years ago at Pentecost, that beautiful early church that began. We're not a new church, we're part of that. And so what marked them should mark us. These spirit-inspired activities, they paved the way for how we experience Christ and his church even today. And so this morning, we're going to continue on in that. If you would stand with me, we're going to once again read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And we're going to honor God's word. We're going to read it and declare it aloud together in one voice, unified, marking our purpose together. So let's read together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this passage of scripture that takes us back in time, back to our roots. It realigns us and centers us as the church who you intended us to be. And so speak through your word today. Speak about giving, this idea of generosity that you birthed within us through your spirit Lord, generosity is of your nature, and so let us be people who are like you. God, speak to us. Empower me as I share your word and let our hearts receive it. Lord, we love you and praise your name. Amen. You can be seated. So you'll notice Pastor Chris is away this week. Uh, He has given a beautiful Mother's Day gift to Kylie and the girls. They are down in the U.S. eating their favorite foods, shopping at their favorite stores, and having a really wonderful time. So as we miss them this week, pray that they have a safe journey and a, a great time away. So as we continue on in this series, I want to look at verse 45. I'm sure you guessed it as we read. Only verse 45 is what we're looking at today. It says this, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is where we're going to camp. Not talking about tithes and offerings. We're talking about generosity. Generosity the spirit of generosity that is deep within us, this heart of giving. Now, I want you to note that the scripture doesn't say they all sold all of their possessions and all of their property all of the time. That's not what the scripture says. It says they sold property and possessions. They sold some as the needs rose. This is important because I've heard it in the past and I've been hearing it again recently, people making the case that Christianity is birthed out of communism because of this. They say nothing belongs to anyone, it's not healthy. It is healthy because that's not the case here and context is everything. When you work through scripture, remember that. Context is everything. Read the important details because they matter. What we read here is not acts of benevolence that were mandated. They weren't mandated from the government, and they weren't mandated by their religion. They were generous acts of kindness. They stemmed from people's desire and conviction to meet one another's needs. That's all it was. It was a beautiful act of love. I want us to understand where this initial spiritual idea of giving originated. Where did it come from? It could have been people's goodwill. I mean, we are created out of the nature and the goodness of God it's in us, but it came from something greater. It came from Jesus himself. It came from his teachings. Just as Pastor Daniel talked about two weeks ago, when you know the word of God, when you know his teachings, it sets your life on a path. It makes the path so clear and it firms that foundation for you. So I wanna look at that, where is the original intent? Well, it comes out of two places that I could quickly find. Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 18, and let's take a look at those. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 tells us this. We're looking at, they said, what are the greatest commandments, Lord? And he said, love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Why? Because loving God teaches us how to love others. Shifting our focus away from ourselves, loving God teaches us how to love others. Luke 18, verses 18 to 27, is a story about a very rich ruler. We learn this from him. A certain ruler asked Jesus, "'Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?' "'Why do you call me good?' Jesus answered. "'No one is good except for God alone.'" You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and your father. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked him, who can be saved then? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Friends, I say that again. What is impossible for man is possible with God. And this speaks to generosity. The point that Jesus was making in this account had little to do with the act of someone giving up their possessions and had everything to do with their desire to put others above themselves, before themselves, in preference of themselves, especially the things that they love. Loving God more than things teaches us how to love others. God says, Love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, because loving that way enlarges your capacity to love others. It changes your capacity. People say, I have nothing left. Walk forward. You'll be amazed at how God grows your capacity. Many have found that loving one's neighbors or those around them can be difficult at times, people are messy. People are broken, so they're hurtful. But God says, follow these two commandments. Love me with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you keep these two commandments in order, it ensures that you fulfill both. A heart filled with love for God naturally overflows in love for others. Maintaining and increasing our love for God demands an ever-enlarging understanding of our experience of him. The more we know and experience him, the more we naturally act like him. God is a very generous God. How can we not be? Luke 6.45 tells us, a good man brings out of the things, good things stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, Not only our words, but our actions, our deeds, our intentions. They speak to what's in our heart. Are you filled with generosity? Are you filled with love for your neighbor, for yourself, for Jesus? These teachings that I talked about in Mark and and Luke, they were the foundation of the church's earliest understanding of benevolent acts. They understood that when you love God, you cannot help but love others, you naturally learn love. Learning to love others more than themselves and more than the things in their lives, their possessions and their properties, was a fundamental understanding. It was a fundamental motivation for these believers. They understood the more they naturally decided to meet each other's needs. So what what needs? The real needs. Pastor Daniel said this this morning about Adventure to Change. The real needs. We didn't just throw sewing machines out into the community because we thought it was a good idea. Pastor Daniel, out of relationship, knowing the needs, sitting with the amazing director, and I say that because I know her, uh, the amazing director of Adventure to Change, said, what are the needs? What are the real needs? Church, it's time we stop fulfilling perceived needs. Oh, I'm going to do a good job and feel good about myself today. The only true way to make appropriate care for the needs of those around you is to know them, is to be out in the world, to be out in the community, to be with people. Pastor Kathy talked about it last week, be in community with people because then you know their needs, you know their desires, you know the weights on them and you can truly meet it. Acts 2.5. Speaking back to the history of why were they meeting needs. Well, here's where the real needs came from Acts 2, verse 5 says, Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. These people traveled, they came into Jerusalem, and then they experienced the Spirit at Pentecost. And they became part of a community that they said, I'm not ready to leave this. (laughs) I love this community. And they came for a temporary time, but they stayed for an extended time. And so as their funds grew low, the newly established church said, I got you. I've got this, and let me give it to you. And together, we're going to grow his church. Together, we're going to push it further than we ever thought we could, because we're united. I see your need, and out of it, I want to fill it. The actions of selling, they were voluntary, they were occasional, they related to the immediate need in front of them. Their generosity consisted of periodic acts of charity as the needs arose. It was a generous response to that need. If you want to look at what some of these looked like through the books of Acts, Read Acts chapter four, verses 34, all the way to f- chapter five, verse four. And you're gonna get a great list of what did this practically look like? How did they sell it? <laughs> like, did they sell all of their properties and possessions? They didn't. But it gives you some really beautiful examples of what that looked like. This beautiful attitude of what's mine is yours if you need it stemmed from the spirit. It was established at Pentecost and it continued all throughout biblical history. It was a defining factor, a mark of a disciple. And what's really beautiful about this account is that as the church grew, they continued to be unified. And as the church grew, they stood in one, as one church. You know, and you can put yourself in the situation, you have a small organization, a startup company, and you start gaining new employees and you start growing and you get bigger, and you get bigger, and suddenly you're the size of Google. That unity that first began, it's not the same. The way that those employers could care for their employees changes, because the mission's bigger, and, and the, the footprint is bigger, and the number of people to care for is bigger, and in the business world, it breaks down. In this world, it, it breaks down. But the beautiful thing about the church is it said, nope, we're unified. It doesn't matter how big we get. We're unified. And we're going to continue to care for the needs of our people because we are one body. We're one in Christ Jesus. So we carry each other's needs. The biblical idea that there should be no needy person among us, it happened here in the church of Jerusalem. It was because God's grace was at work in the hearts and the minds of his people. I'm going to give you a couple of quick examples of what this looked like. How did this practically shake out? Acts chapter 6 tells us about some widows who were being neglected. And out of it, they said, are you ready? We're going to assign assign seven men. And we're going to oversee the process. And we're going to make sure that these widows, they're getting food. Nobody goes hungry. Acts 11, 27 and 30 tells us about a famine in the land. And the disciples carried out a famine relief effort. Nobody goes hungry. Galatians 2.10 tells about a continual concern that the needs of the poor would be met. Nobody gets left behind. 1 Corinthians 11.20 tells us that we, we read about communal meals and not just because they liked food and not just because they liked fellowship and not just because they had a really great time together but because they wanted to make sure that everyone was fed. Everyone had community. Everyone was together. When we are led by the spirit and work out of the overflow of grace in our lives, we find that there is no shortage of needs. God enables and trusts us to meet those needs. The generous spirit of giving found in Acts two remains consistent throughout the entire book of Acts and into the whole New Testament. These early Christ followers, they didn't give out of obligation. They gave because it was their joy. It was birthed out of regard for equitable distribution. Let me love my neighbor. I want to share a testimony with you. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a little bit long, but it's powerful. When you find a testimony right within Scripture, it reminds us this is why we share our testimonies, to encourage one another, to to spur on the church. And so we read it here, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 1 to 14, it says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. This is their testimony. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. This, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace. It's on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this act of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want you to testify. I want to test to the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the graces of our Lord Jesus, that when he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's my judgments about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to. He says, now finish the work, so that your eagerness to do so may be matched by your completion of it according to your needs, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. Our desire is not that others would be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equity. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in their turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Friends, out of my lack, I help you. And you thrive. And out of your lack, you help me and I thrive. And together we thrive. Nobody is left behind. These churches in Macedonia, they were doing the work of God even in the midst of what Scripture says, severe trials of their own. They took the time to look out and to see others. So often I hear people say, you know, I would love for God to use me. I would love to help others, but now is not the season. Maybe when I'm more whole or maybe when I'm healthy enough or maybe when I'm not in this dark pit that I'm in. Right now it's just too heavy, it's too much, I can't do it. I wanna tell you that that's a lie, that you've been led to believe because there's always capacity when it comes to Christ. In the midst of their very severe trial, these Christ followers in Macedonia were filled with what? overflowing joy. And it says their extreme poverty welled up in what? Rich generosity. They gave entirely on their own and exceeded others' expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then to the will of God for others' sake. They said, Lord, use me however you see fit. I know I'm in a pit. I know I'm exhausted. I know my capacity is run out. This vessel is empty, Lord. They said, but use me. And it's in those times when you have nothing and you allow God to use you, that is the most beautiful sacrifice you can give him. And he rewards that with refreshing your soul I speak to new parents today and that exhaustion you feel as a new parent, the way he refreshes you is better than three days of straight sleep. I'm telling you, he knows how to refresh your soul in a way that this world never can. Some of us upon our call to ministry or that point of salvation, we experience a natural generosity. It comes out of us because the spirit of God is in us. And it's of his nature to be generous. And so when we, when we try to be like him, we are. And so generosity naturally comes out of us. And some of you are so good at being generous. I've watched it for years. This church is beautifully generous. But I've also watched a trend throughout, especially these last two years. I've watched people say, uh, not really, right now. I can't. And whether it has to do with hurt, or loss, or trauma, grief, illness, or people have just let you down. You stopped being generous. Something has taken you away from it and you've said, nope, done. I did it, people hurt me in return, nobody gave back to me, I'm done. I wanna tell you a truth because the life that some of you have been living is a lie. You can do it. You were created to do it. Philippians 1, 6 tells you that he who began a good work in you will what? See it through until completion. Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean that that good work ends. Doesn't mean that it stops. Doesn't mean it's taken away. He has started a good work in you. Continue it through. The passion, the love, the generosity, the grace, the awareness of others that you used to walk in, it's still there. You can still walk in it. It is still available to you. You've not been disqualified. You've not been benched. You've not been shelved. It has not been taken away from you. It has not been disqualified. You can do the work of God. There are some hard, impossible seasons that people walk through, and I get that. I'm not minimizing those. I understand that the weight of this world is heavy sometimes. But when we take the time to shift our focus away from ourselves and onto others, it changes things. You can't dig yourself out of a pit. You have to stick your arm out And let someone help you sometimes. You have to shift your focus away and say, I'm going to help you because I'm going to believe that one day down the road, when I'm in my own pit, Jesus is going to send someone to help me. And when the church is being the church, there will always be someone to help you. 2 Corinthians 8.14 tells us that our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there would be an equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in their turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. The goal is mutual love. The goal is mutual care. In your darkest pit, your mind will always tell you that you cannot. In those darkest times, force yourself to stand up. Force yourself to look out, change your focus, get up, shake yourself off, finish the work. The few cannot carry the needs of the many. They cannot, church. Like those in the Macedonian churches, in the midst of your severe trials, may you be filled with overflowing joy. And may your extreme poverty, whether it be financial or situational or emotional, Let it well up with rich generosity, allowing God himself to show himself as Lord and provider of your life. When we look around at the problems of this world, I get it, they're heavy. There's a lot of them. But together, we can meet a great need. Systems are always gonna fail. The world is always gonna fail. But God will not. That's why the spiritual activity of giving it becomes increasingly vital, as does the spiritual activity of prayer. Praying for our leaders, praying for our governments, praying for our systems, praying for other believers that they'll walk in the spirit of generosity. It's easy to care for those who are easy to love. It's not so easy to care for those who are less easy to love. But that's who we're called to. It's what motivated such generosity in the early church members. It was an awareness of God's grace in them. We're all broken. <laughs> We're all messy. We are all filled with God's grace. It came for each of us. It's time for something different. The world needs something different. Perhaps this principle of giving is less about the act of giving and more about the spirit of giving expressed through grace, generosity, and justice. It causes me to think that the early church's example of giving taught us this. Grace plus awareness plus generosity equals the church in action. In order for the church to be the church, we better be doing something. can't be the church sitting on a chair all day. That wasn't what was ever decided. This type of love is why our church runs and invests in awesome programs like Feeding Frenzy. I hope you know about Feeding Frenzy. I don't have time to tell you about it today, but it is my favorite thing. I see you dancing back there. Yeah, Feeding Frenzy. Those are our young adults. Uh, Awesome program. Ray of Hope, House of Friendship, Pregnancy Center, Adventure to Change. Amazing things right here in our neighborhoods that God says, you want to be the church? Go out. Meet the needs. Be with the people. Get out of the building. (laughs) Because they're hurting people all around us. When we recognize God's grace towards us, out of that grace, we can allow ourselves to become aware of the world's needs. The people, the situations, the, the societal and political systemic breakdowns in the world, the brokenness. It's all around us and we have the opportunity to respond in generosity and love. In a way that it points people not to us, not even to this church. It points people to Jesus. We must allow the spirit to use us to provide practical, physical, emotional, spiritual, deeply needed support for one another. First John 3.9 tells us, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. The New Living Translation says, they don't make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. God's life is in you. He has created you for something brand new, something completely different. First John 1.6 tells us, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As we are given that grace, all we need to do is extend it forward to those who we meet, to those in our vicinity, to those we come across, grace upon grace. That's how you love the messy. It's not even hard because when you look in the mirror and realize how messy you are, It's easy to love those around you. That same expression is what comprises the heart of giving. How can we not extend this same measure towards others, recognizing how much has been extended to us? Grace upon grace upon grace. My neighbor recently commented on how his car was vandalized when he parked it in downtown Kitchener. We commented on how misery enjoys company, whether welcomed or forced. People don't want to feel their pain alone. I think we should flip it around. Shouldn't the same be said of grace? We have been given so much grace that we cannot feel it alone. It must be shared. It must be given out to others. As we walk, we walk in grace. Uniting ourselves around a concern for Christ's mission and the welfare of others leads to a generosity that cannot help but open our eyes to the needs of those around us. We gain an awareness of others and it produces a heart of generosity in us, grace upon grace. The worship team can come back up this morning. Like the church in Macedonia, When we give ourselves to the Lord, he does the unimaginable through us. But we have to be willing to walk forward. We have to be willing to shift our focus from me to you, Lord. In that, he's gonna use you in wildly amazing ways to help others, to meet needs, to show his care. Sometimes out of of the way that you give, he's gonna teach you that he's giving to you. Out of the way that you give, he's gonna meet your needs just to remind you of his goodness. Loving God attunes our spirit to his will and teaches us how to generously love others. When God gave everything, including his son, he did so that so we could experience his grace. How much more can we give as we grow the church through the spiritual act of giving and the awareness, the simple awareness of other people's needs. What we need, church, is a major shift from me to you, Lord. A heart cry that says, whatever and whenever and for whoever, Lord, open my eyes to the needs right around me. Step me out of my selfishness, Lord. Step me out of my pain, Lord. Empower me to fill the needs of others through your grace. There's a beautiful song. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He changes it all for us. So get up, church. It's time. Get out of these pits. Dust yourself off. It's time we finish the work that the early church began. It's time to look beyond ourselves and walk in a spiritual generosity that holds the power to change lives and transform souls. That's the church that we're part of. Are you a Christ follower? This is what you're part of. A group of people who care for one another. I really They don't just say it, they do it. So it's time. Let me pray.